Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is co-host and fellow lifelong Houston sports junkie, Stephen Kerr. A century of Astros fandom between the two of us, along with our 60 combined years in the journalism biz. We've seen a lot over the years, but nothing quite like this. We've got all of about two days. We had about two days to be excited for Major League Baseball and the Astros, Stephen, but things just crashing down on us quickly. And I mean, for both Astros Nation and baseball in general, Justin Verlander could be gone for a few weeks or the whole season. And just this morning, Major League Baseball dealing with a potential disaster. 12 Marlins players and two coaches tested positive for the virus. Their home opener is canceled. And this is a fan and baseball's worst nightmare. I wish I could say I was surprised, Robert. You know, I, I wish I could say this just uh, both situations, the the Justin Verlander and the, you know, the, the Marlins thing. But, uh, you know, and, and I've been accused of being Mr. Positive, maybe a little too much sometimes, which I'm perfectly fine with, by the way. But I guess just, you know, the way things have been going, you know, this whole thing was a risk to begin with. If you're talking about the COVID-19 situation, it's a risk for everything. And, you know, some people believe it's worth taking the risk and some don't. Uh, but the fact is that it's happened. And in regard to Justin Verlander, I, I have to say, and, and Robert, maybe I missed something and you can you can tell me, but I didn't notice anything unusual Friday when he left after six innings. I, I mean, he, he pitched pretty well. He gave up a couple home runs, but they were solo shots. Basically, he pitched the same way he did last year, as far as I could tell, um, in regard to his success. And you know, the Astros won the game, and that was the only two runs that they gave up. So I was a, I, really I was blindsided when I saw the news about you know forearm strain, and and now there's conflicting information of you know yeah there's a forearm strain, but there might be an elbow injury, which the Astros and are denying. So yeah, it, it's really crazy, and and it's only been as you said two days. The baseball season, I I was really I wasn't sure how I was going to react to the fact that baseball was coming back, especially, you know, after the Astros scandal, you know, I was wondering, am I going to really want to watch this? But, you know, I'd, I've watched all three games that the Astros played so far and have enjoyed it. Um, even the game on Sunday, didn't enjoy it as much, but just the fact that baseball is back. But now we've got these two situations to deal with. As far as the Verlander deal goes, I just, this is what you worry about. You know, he's 37 years old and we, we always want to pretend like father time doesn't exist. And yet you find out over and over again, that's what happens. You know, you thought, okay, maybe this is going to be beneficial. He gets more time off after the other surgery. He totally revamps his delivery. We're all excited about that because he says, this is going to be great. I'm going to play eight or 10 more seasons. But Steven, this is why you worry about where the Astros are right now, because Verlander is old. Zach Granke is old. He didn't look all that great either, if we're being honest with us on Sunday. But the problem is you've got two old, you know, aces of your staff. And then the rest of the staff is, you know, just a big mishmash and a whatever. And now if you're the Astros, you're like, is this it? I mean, did the run, did the run just end? I mean, not only because of, you know, virus baseball being canceled this year. That's one thing. But, you know, you have Verlander and Granke next year. And it feels like this is already the end. Like it was like, you know, one second you're a contender and the next second, because you can't, I mean, let's be honest, you can't win 
without that ace at the start of your staff, or at least a couple aces at the start of your staff, if you're you serious about winning a, a championship? Yeah, it'd be very difficult for sure. Uh, if you think about it, in, in some ways, the Astros are kind of back where they would have been if the season had started in March. You know, they knew then they were going to be without Verlander, but at least they figured they would get him back at some point in the season. I mean, with 162 games, it was likely, yeah, he would miss some time, but that he would be back. The Astros could still make a run at the end and they'd be okay. Well, it's a 60 game season. If we, if they even, you know, the fact is if, if they can't even finish a 60 game season because of COVID-19, I, I guess all of it is moot. But, you know, if, if you want to look for one little glimmer of hope, 16 teams are going to make the playoffs. So unless the Astros just completely implode, they will be in the playoffs. And maybe, 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 again, I'm, I'm being Mr. Positive here. Maybe it's just a little forearm strain and, you know, what they're saying. A couple weeks, he's going to need more time, of course, than that to kind of get back in rhythm and be in a throwing program to make sure he's okay. But maybe he could be ready by the end of the season going into the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, to be realistic, it's going to be very difficult for the team, especially when you consider, you know, we had questions about the rotation even before this, you know, would Verlander be able to be healthy enough for a whole season? Zach Grinke has just had consistency issues since he's been with the Astros. I mean, he got off to a shaky start last year with the Diamond, uh, the Diamondbacks and ended up kind of writing things at least for a while. But he's he's definitely, you know, he had command problems the other night for sure. Lance McCullers Jr., same thing. So there are a lot of questions about the Astros rotation but Justin Verlander being out certainly doesn't help at all. Yeah, I'm going to spin it back to that 16-team playoff because I, I do want to talk about that. And I thought that was going to be something we we're going to talk about in a big way when the when the show started. But I, I I definitely want to you know mention the fact that Major League Baseball the problem was there there was going to be no bubble. And while the NBA everything's working out great for the NBA, Stephen, because of the bubble, you're not seeing the cases. We got zero as far as. Uh, positive test you know your only concern is when these guys you know come in and out of the bubble and we've had that a couple of times but yeah that's the difference between baseball and what the NBA is doing and I think that's going to be in the end what may deal with the success of the NBA and maybe the failure of Major League Baseball and, and I, who knows what's going to happen with football that's a whole other story well the the practical side though is it you know the nba it's it's a lot easier to do a bubble because you have less personnel and i'm not just talking players i'm just talking personnel in general but it just it would be really really difficult for major league baseball and certainly for the nfl to do a bubble type situation so these types of things are going to happen you know and then you add to it there are going to be people no matter how strict you are about guidelines there are just there are going to be people who are going to violate the situation and and go outside of what they should be doing. I mean, it, it's happening in our regular society. Of course, we've talked about that before. So, yeah, it's it's just a, a very precarious situation. And we could post this podcast, and you know, by tomorrow, the whole baseball season could be canceled for all we know. I mean, I certainly hope not. But there are just so many things in flux right now, and none of it is for the Astros. Uh, and and might I say, Robert. I'm already starting to see the quote-unquote cute headlines about the Justin Verlander situation. I see one where it says, you know, Verlander is out. Does this mean the Astros' regular season is in the trash can? So we're already seeing people taking jabs at the Astros, just, you know, not even about the cheating scandal, but trying to tie it all in with that 
with Verlander being out, which just, you know, certainly disgusts me. And baseball is on a razor's, razor's edge right now, but I, I'm going to, you know, do a little bit of, let's see what's going on with the Astros after three games. And my first observation, Stephen, is does Dusty Baker know he's managing a 60-game season and not 162? Do you know where I'm going with this? Are you referring to a couple of moves maybe he should have made on Sunday? Oh, uh, yeah, it, big moves. Uh, I'll start off with Chris Davinsky uh, Sunday because why is he still in the game after the mandatory three batters when he obviously doesn't have it? Why wasn't Ryan Presley raced out to the mound with a one-run lead in the seventh? And why is he platooning Kyle Tucker when number one, Tucker's considered a future star by most baseball people, and number two, he's getting starts taken away from him by Taylor Jones, who wasn't the guy that you were thinking was going to even be in the picture and who hasn't started a Major League Baseball game while Tucker had World Series at-bats last year, Stephen. Yeah, I was a little surprised, I have to admit, that Kyle Tucker didn't get the start over a, a Taylor Jones, who certainly is, he has potential, but he's unproven. And as you said, in a 60-game season, you really need to have, I think, your best players in there as much as you can from start to finish because you don't have the time to be tripping up. I mean, he, he put Kyle Tucker in a pinch hit situation, and I think that, you know, if if, if the game had gone to extra innings, Maldonado was going to come out of the game, but in regard to probably starting him over Taylor Jones, I, I certainly think that that's probably what should have happened. And yeah, Chris Davinsky, I just, you know, you kind of wonder, I mean, if it weren't for the fact that the Astros just aren't that deep pitching wise, I'm almost beginning to wonder, you know, how long is Davinsky going to be on the roster just because he, he pitched this way last year. You don't know what you're going to get from him. And it was obvious that, he just didn't have it yesterday. Frankly, I wasn't even thinking that Davinsky was a lock to make the roster. If this was just a regular Major League Baseball roster and at the start of the season, you didn't have all these injuries and every. You looked at it at the beginning of the season. You're like, is, is Davinsky going to make it? Are we going to keep going with him? Because he's really been bad since his rookie year. They, they feel like they blew his arm out by pitching him too much. But Ryan Presley, what is Dusty Baker doing? The guy hasn't pitched the first three games of the season they had plenty of opportunities to get him out there, but you got to get him out there. And in and, and, and that in the game on Sunday, it just it made absolutely no sense. And th th there was no sense of urgency. This is the most urgent season that you have in history, Stephen. How is Ryan Presley not in the game? Just get out of the jam, win the game on Sunday, and you're 3-0, and and you're in a really good shape uh, going into the Dodgers series in the next couple of days. Well, I guess if you're committing to him as your closer and you put him out in the seventh, he probably wouldn't have been able to pitch the ninth if it had come to that. But the fact that he hasn't pitched at all, you know, that kind of worries me in a sense of, you know, is he going to be rusty the next time you throw him in there and, you know, in a situation where he does need to come through? So I, I thought he would have at least gotten in the game at about that point in the seventh inning, like you said. Well, is Osuna the closer? I mean, he's back. He pitched. Yeah, he is back, and he pitched it, so you would have thought he could have been put in that role. Yeah, I, I don't. there's a, definitely a cloud surrounding that situation. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. And, I mean, yeah, I get it. They're, they're light on some guys right now. But, I mean, what we learned, you know, over the last few years is you get out of these really big situations when you can in late innings, and then you worry about the, the following inning. And I think 
you know, you let Presley get out of it and it, maybe he can't go the entire next inning, but at least you, you, you get to the next inning and there's that one run lead. It's precarious right there. So let's, let's get out of the inning and let's go to the next inning. But you know, I'm, I'm about done with Chris Davinsky at this point. And I, I, it seems like everybody loves him. Great guy. You know, I've met him super nice guy, whatever. But I mean, at, at some point you just got to say, I'm sorry, Chris Davinsky, you're not, a, you're not a good pitcher anymore. And you haven't been for a while. Well, if there's been one criticism of Dusty Baker that, that we know about, it's, it's about the way he's handled the pitchers. And, uh, you know, we're, we're starting to see this a little bit with the Astros in regard to Chris Davinsky, in regard to Ryan Presley, that that has been the one knock on Dusty, really. I mean, I, he's certainly a great players manager, and he's he's experienced a steady hand, probably what the Astros needed from an emotional standpoint. But yeah, if there's one thing that he has been criticized for repeatedly with every team he's been with, it's been how he's handled the pitching staff. And if you go back to this Kyle Tucker situation, I mean, we talked about this already, Stephen. This is a big year for Kyle Tucker. There's three Astros outfielders that are free agents at the end of the season. You assume that Kyle Tucker is pretty much a lock next year because all three of those guys are not going to be back. So Kyle Tucker needs to be playing every day. You got to see what he can give you. And you would assume he's going to be playing in a playoff situation. He's going to be on that kind of roster, not uh, (laughs) guys like whoever, Taylor Jones or whoever you want to talk about. And what's so funny, Stephen, is remember that they were the untouchable guys, Kyle Tucker and Forrest Whitley. And Forrest Whitley has moved behind every other top pitching prospect in the Astros organization. We got four guys that nobody's heard of uh, much before this year ahead of Forrest Whitley. And then Kyle Tucker is a platoon player now. I mean, really? Is he a platoon player? I mean, that's where we are with the quote unquote untouchables. Yeah, it's it's amazing how things can change, and that obviously, of, of course, goes back to uh, you can have all the talent and potential in the world, but it means nothing unless you realize it on the field. And you know, Kyle Tucker has had his chances and and hasn't quite come through, but he was starting to do that in the World Series, and and he's been making good contact with the ball this time around in the very short time that we've seen him. So I think uh, you know, to me, until he messes up, until he can't hit. Or, or start showing some flashes that he's going to be inconsistent. I think he needs to get as much playing time as possible, you know, especially with Jordan Alvarez still, you know, he and Jose Urquidy reported to Corpus Christi, but Jordan is not with the club yet. So uh, until that happens, I, I think you need to have your most experienced players as your DH, you know, whether it's Kyle Tucker, whether it's George Springer or Michael Brantley, you know, rotate those guys in at the very least. But to put in a Taylor Jones in a situation like that, uh, yeah, I, I had to say I was quite surprised when I saw that in the lineup on Sunday. And if I'm being honest, this is like uh, this whole season's worst case scenario for somebody like Dusty Baker as your manager because, you know, first of all, you got the virus going on. You're worried about his health. He's a guy in his 70s. You know, everybody likes Dusty Baker, and I get it. But uh, if you look at his track record as a manager, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, he gets teams to the playoffs. He's really good in that situation, but in playoffs where it's urgency that matters and winning now that matters, he's not good at that. And this is a whole season that feels like a playoff situation. And, you know, I mean, look, Stephen, we found out this is a 16 team playoff, which I think took us all by surprise right before uh, the season they made the announcement. But, you know, I, I figured one of the really cool things about this season 
would be the massive urgency for every game. But forget about that because more than half the teams get bonus baseball in October if there's <laughs> baseball. So we're kind of back to meaningless games in a way. You know, I, I, I say urgent, but I guess, you know, you can also go the other direction because, uh, you know, how urgent are the games now when half the teams are going to get into the playoffs? And you've also got meaningless standings because without fans in the stands, Stephen, home field advantage pretty much means nothing, not a zippo. No, it really doesn't. And, and of course, as I said at the top, maybe that is the saving grace is if, you know, if, if you get to the playoffs, <clears throat> as they say, just about anything can happen in the playoffs. So, and, and we, you know, there are just so many variables that could go wrong for other teams too throughout the season. I mean, we've already seen Clayton Kershaw of the Dodgers. He was put on the injured list, I think, just hours before opening day. So, you know, you just, if there's one bright spot we can look at for the Astros is that because of COVID-19, you know, because you don't know who's going to come down with it or because of any injuries that might happen to other teams, perhaps the Astros won't be the only team of the quote-unquote elite or those who are supposed to be that might face this situation. But as far as Dusty Baker, yeah, as I said off the top, I mean, he, he he's, the way he's handled the pitchers and the way where he's just gotten teams to a certain point and then not been able to carry them over the threshold, that is going to be the cloud that's going to hang over him until he changes our mind otherwise. The good news, uh, and there, you know, is little good news. We uh, need something. <laughs> Help us out, Robert. <laughs> well, Urquidy and Jordan are ready to come back. I don't know how long it's going to take those guys to get back. And it's funny, Stephen, because if you went to Vegas and put down a bet that the opening day roster, and of course, Urquidy and Jordan are a big reason why this is all you know, all in flux. And it's a, it's a, you know, you've also got a lot more guys on an opening day roster than normal. But if you went to Vegas and you was like, let me put a bet down. The opening day roster is going to include somebody named Brandon Bailey, somebody named Blake Taylor, somebody named Enoli Paredes and Christian Javier. You, you would have won like a zillion dollars. Yeah, for sure. I, I wish I had that kind of insight, you know, to do it because uh, I'd be a whole lot richer than I am now. And I guess that's the other thing, Robert, is that you, you know, when you have a bunch of young guys, you just have to hope that somebody will step up and be a surprise. And so far, Blake Taylor has been that guy. Now, look, you know, he, he's very unproven. He's hardly had a lot of minor league experience, much less major league experience. But at least in, in the chances that he's had so far, he has looked good. Now, can he do that for a whole season with that kind of an experience? Well, who's to say? But that's all you can hope for is that some of these young guys, when they have the opportunity, that they can step up. And uh, so far, I, I think Blake Taylor and Oli Paredes have at least looked promising in that regard. And this is big because you want some promise from some young players because we were told the Astros farm system was in shambles. Uh, we thought it was over with because they had traded everybody away to get, you know, guys like Granke and Verlander and some of the trades that they made. But yeah, I, I you like Blake Taylor. I, I think he's shown some flashes, but Anoli Paredes, I mean, he's got some real stuff out there. Talk about his, his fastball is really something to watch. And, you know, they, they he'd been kind of talked about, I think last season, I, you know, I'd heard things floating around about him, but of course we didn't see much of him. Uh, so those are the two I would say, and, and Christian Javier, you know, there's been a lot of talk about him the last couple of years. So you just have to hope that some of these quote unquote unknown guys or guys that we haven't talked about much can come through, especially 
if Forrest Whitley is going to continue to struggle or, or not going to be in the picture for the big club this year, you've just, you know, and, and now you've lost Verlander and you don't know what you're going to get with Grinky, Lance McCullers and, and these guys, you've just, it's got to happen. You've, you've got to have some of these guys step up and, and just be in a role that they may or may not be ready for it, but they've got to come through if the Astros are going to be at all successful. Yeah. I'm just kind of reminded of that. There was the quote uh, about, I think it was like Chuck Nevitt or somebody with the Rockets back in the day. And they, they said, uh, he's a longer project than the moon landing. And that <laughs> kind of was what I think of right now with Forrest Whitley. I thought it was like, he was going to be up quick and he's this incredible. And now you're like, okay, we got to delay it another year and it's another year. And we're, st- and he's now he's behind 14 other guys. And, you know, it's, I don't want to equate him to Mark Appel quite yet, but yeah, that's where you are with Forrest Whitley at this point. It's like, he can't even make a 30 man roster when we've got all these guys that are just, uh, you know, they're, they're not big names at all, you know, or weren't big names in the Astros farm system. as far as the pitching, pitching is concerned. Well, that's where the, to me, the danger is when you, when you take somebody who's highly touted, out of high school and and try to make them an instant star or think that they're going to be such a a quick success. I mean, we could go down a huge list of names where that has happened and maybe they've rushed them a little too quickly through the system. I mean, it's it's certainly not a David Clyde situation, you know, of course the pitcher from the 70s who the Texas Rangers drafted out of high school and just he, he didn't even play minor league ball. I'm I'm not talking that regard, but at the same time, Forrest Whitley was very highly regarded when he came out of high school. They did zoom him through the system fairly quickly, and he had success. I mean, it, it was deserved. But sometimes you can reach a plateau too quickly, you know, especially at, at the higher you go. You know, this is Major League Baseball, and, and very few people make the Major Leagues. And you think about it. So that is the danger when you get too excited about a player who just isn't that seasoned, who's used to being a star in high school. Well, so is everybody else who's drafted. You know, they're at least some kind of a stardom with their high school team. And the higher you go, some of them are going to be better than you, or if they're not better than you, some of them are just going to get the breaks that you don't get. And and that's just how it is. All right. Let's talk a little bit about the aesthetics of these first few games. And I, I guess having cardboard cutouts is better than looking at empty seats. But honestly, it was a little eerie watching these games because it was like something out of a sci-fi movie. Was, you know, when the aliens zapped the people and then froze them into some sort of two-dimensional realm, it felt like a, a bad Star Trek episode. And, you know, Stephen, frankly, I'm just kind of dumbfounded that we live in 2020 and we couldn't at least put holograms in the stands or something like that. Yeah, that's what I was a little surprised about. I mean, yeah, cutouts or, and I guess, you know, the other thing to me, and and I think, you know, unfortunately, I don't, the only way I can watch the Astros on television is if they're on, uh, you know, a network like Fox or ESPN. I don't get AT&T Sportsnet here in Austin. But but I do listen to the radio broadcast, and I know how, you know, Steve Sparks tries to make light of it, you know, referring to the cutouts and saying, you know, the crowd is on their feet, which they're not. But, yeah, you know, at least having holograms or, or you know, mannequins that really look like people, but they're just sitting there. And, you know, when the action is big – most of the time, the crowd is on their feet. You don't have that element. I will say, Robert, and I watched you know some of the other teams play over the weekend. You know, at least when it comes to piped-in crowd noise, the one team that I think has it right, or you know, as close to it as you can get, is the Texas Rangers. You know, they, whoever's running things there at their ballpark, 
really do make it sound about as as good as you can make it when the excitement is great. You know, they, they do rev up the crowd noise, and it sounds about as authentic as you can with prepped-in crowd noise. I mean, they don't have booing and jeering when it goes the other way. But I was kind of hoping the Astros could, would do a little better job of, of that type of situation, but I, I haven't heard it so far. Got to keep the piped-in crowd noise down if you're going to, you know, bang trash cans or so you can't screw well, up that. Well, that's right. There is that. <laughs> I mean, can you hear it on the radio much? when you? Because I'm, I'm watching the television broadcast of the Astros. What does it sound like when you're listening to the radio broadcast? It, it just sounds dead, really. It, it just sounds like there's not much there at all. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, did Any other Astros stuff? I, I'd like to get over to the Texans and because there's so we got so much to talk about with everything going on. Well, I, I do want to say one thing is, you know, we, we were talking about Dusty Baker earlier. And of course, Friday, he did get his first win as, as manager of the Astros. And not long after, he got a call from Henry Aaron to congratulate him. And Robert, I know you know the answer to this because you and I talked about this off air just last week. But of course, you know who was on deck when Henry Aaron hit 715, right? Oh, sure. Dusty was right there. We wait, waiting for him at home plate, I'm sure, as he was uh, crossing home plate after the home run. Yep. So, you know, it's only fitting that, you know, Dusty, he's got, he still knows a lot of people. And so it was kind of neat, you know, to see that Henry Aaron gave him a call to congratulate him after his first Astros win on Friday. Um, unfortunately, though, a lot has happened since then. All right, I'm going to get to the Rockets in just a second. I, I'm not forgetting about the Rockets weekend, but it was funny because even the middle in the middle of this opening day baseball weekend, uh, when you got all this stuff going on and the Texans uh, basically making absolutely zero news, somehow Bill O'Brien still managing to trend on Twitter because of his incredible suckiness. Uh, the Jets trade Jamal Adams to Seattle for two first-round picks and a third-round pick while only giving up Adams and a fourth rounder. Uh, this 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 was such a uh, this is going to be it for for the rest of his career as a GM. Bill O'Brien uh, is going to be the butt of every joke whenever there's a deal made where people get back anything of real value for a great player. Yeah, unfortunately, that was the first thing I thought about when I saw just how much was uh, you know given up for Jamal Adams. That that's the first thing I thought about is Bill O'Brien in that situation. Yeah, uh, it's 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 like, you know, the the bad penny that never goes away. It's just going to keep showing up every time a trade like this is made. Everybody's going to remember Bill O'Brien. Not a whole lot of other news with the Texans. We're getting closer to seeing how this whole thing's going to play out. But uh, we're going to we'll have some Texans talk, I'm sure, really soon. But like I said, the Rockets, it's happening pretty soon now. Uh, by the end of the week, we're going to have some Rockets basketball regular season games. And as we record this Monday, got to wish Houston Rocket forward Damari Carroll a happy 34th birthday. Unfortunately, he was injured in the first scrimmage Friday, didn't look good 0 for 3 from the floor in the second scrimmage Sunday. But, you know, Stephen, it's hard for me to put any credence to whatever we saw over the weekend with these scrimmages. These guys haven't played basketball. Let's 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 be, you know, they haven't played basketball in four months. Let's, let's be patient with with this and i mean even the refs we got to be patient with it's been a long time well it has been a long time and i guess you could even say that about you know i mean james harden had 31 points wow that's great but, but of course you expect that kind of play from james harden but again these are scrimmages but at least there's basketball being played 
And, you know, it, it's been several months, even though they played most of the regular season, you know, they still had several months off. So it's almost like getting back to another regular season start. So it is going to be good. So we're, we're going to have another opening night. I guess, what is it, two Fridays in a row now? We're having openings with uh, sports-related things with Major League Baseball and the NBA. So that's going to be exciting to look forward to is we're going to have some NBA, some real NBA basketball here in just a few days, barring some unforeseen circumstance. And, you know, we have to, unfortunately, we have to say that with everything these days, don't we? Uh, it's uh, it's scary. I mean, just, I mean, if you're just a person in the world and if you're a sports fan, you know, it's the same situation. Um, I've got one more Rockets birthday today before we move on. This is one of my favorite Rockets of all time because he is one of the best personalities and one of the nicer people. Happy 47th birthday, Moochie Norris. Moochie Norris. Oh, that's about as good as every time I think of Moochie Norris, I, you know, I just think of Mookie, like Mookie Wilson or Mookie Blaylock. But <laughs> Moochie is one of my all-time favorite names and a great guy too. And and yeah, he's, he's definitely up there as far as one of my favorite rockets too. 47, huh? Yeah. 47 years old, former podcast guest, Houston sports talk guest. So yep, yep. Uh, he's been on with us. And back when I worked for the rockets, he was on the team. Do yourself a favor. Look on YouTube for two video pieces. I put together. One is called right. cardiac Moochie. Uh, I put together some of the huge game-winning buzzer beaters that Mooch had, all to the classic 1812 overture by Tchaikovsky. I, I can't do this any justice explaining this to you, but trust me, it works. It's called Cardiac Moochie. You're going to want to go see that if you've never seen it before. The other video is called Houston Rocket Moochie Norris Haircut. So my old colleague Jeff Hagedorn and I went to Moochie his barbershop. We went over to his barbershop over on main street by NRG stadium. And we shot Mooch getting his haircut. Oh, Steven, it was so much fun. And, and you know, Mooch, he's just a good guy. He's a great guy. Well, I trust your video judgment, Robert. So I will be sure to check those two things out that they, that sounds really cool. Uh, oh yeah. One more rocket's birthday. I almost forgot about this. Uh, the Whopper, Steven, uh, and either I'm oh. going to, Burger King pretty soon, or I'm <laughs> talking about who am I talking about? Billy Pulse is who you're talking about, and he was a Whopper. There, there's no doubt about it. Billy Pulse, that that was about as fitting a nickname as you could give somebody, the Whopper, because Billy Pulse, yep, he was a Whopper. He's 72 on Thursday, and wow. he was actually drafted by the Rockets in the seventh round, opted for the ABA, where he played for the Virginia Squires, but then Immediately, he gets traded to the New York Nets, and in 1975, he's traded to the Spurs, three-time ABIA All-Star, and during the 79-80 season, he was traded from the Spurs to the Rockets in the middle of the year, ended up playing 84 games in a season, kind of crazy, but for longtime Rockets fans, most remembered for being a key cog in that 81 finals run with Moses Malone, and this is interesting, Stephen, because when I was surfing the web for Billy Paltz, I found a YouTube clip of Akeem Olajuwon sucker-punching Billy Paltz in the side of the head during a playoff game when Paltz was on Utah. Paltz, he's under the basket. He appears to be standing there kind of innocently. If a, if a Utah Jazz player can stand there innocently, I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> yeah. But uh, they aren't even banging e against each other. All of a sudden, Akeem just swings his right arm with his fists closed. It looks like he's going to slap him, but the hand was closed. <laughs> Obviously, something led up to this. It just I don't think this just happens out of the blue. 
Well, you know, and then the funny thing is, I mean, we certainly remember Hakeem as as one of the greatest, if not the greatest Rockets basketball player there ever was. But, you know, when he first came in the league, he had a temper. And it, it, it seems like, you know, it didn't take much to set him off. And so who knows what could have happened between him and Billy Pulse. But obviously, I, I mean, I'm sure they cleared it up because they became teammates. So, you know, but Billy Pulse was, was a physical presence inside. And yeah, it's certainly unforgettable if you've kept up with the Rockets for as long as you and I have, Robert. But wow, 72, that's that's amazing to think about. It definitely makes me feel even older. My daughter just turned 30 recently. I already feel old, but knowing Billy Pulse is 72, I really feel old. <laughs> right. And you talk about Akeem in those early years. Yeah, it was it was kind of a deal where he might needed to go to see Robert De Niro about his anger management issues. So it was not good for him. He was getting in some fights. And remember, he got kicked out. We talked about this not too long ago. He got kicked out of that. Lakers uh, Western Conference final game for getting into the fight. Of course, uh, well, was a little bit of Kurt Rambis, more more Kurt Rambis maybe than Akeem. Might have been a little bit of a setup, got suckered into that. But uh, yeah, he, he had some issues with some anger early in his career. Uh, you, you know, we've gotten this far in the in the show. We're like, I don't know, close to 35 minutes into the show or something like that. And we haven't even mentioned this, Stephen. We got a new champion in Houston. We sure do. Yeah, I, I was very glad to see that. And we're talking, of course, about the Houston Dash. We won the uh, NWSL championship. And wasn't this the first time that they've even made the postseason, Robert? I think I saw that somewhere. Yeah, first time they're in the playoffs in team history. They didn't allow a goal in the quarterfinals, the semis, or the championship game against Kaleo Watts' team, the Red Stars. Mm. What a run for them. I'm going to get back to Kaleo Watt in a second, Stephen, but just want to give props to Sophie Schmidt because she gets that penalty kick early in the game. It's only her second year in the NWSL. And with the dash, she's been playing in Germany the last uh, three years before she came to Houston. And then you had Shea Groom, who had that late goal, also brand new to the dash. She's a Texas Aggie, so some local ties. Although... If we're being honest, she was probably offsides on the late goal. I looked at that a couple different times, and I'm like, yeah, maybe they got away with one. But, hey, they were already up one nothing, and it was like three minutes left in the game. So uh, I, I'm not I'm not too sad about, you know, maybe that was a little bit uh, of a bad call. But I, I think if we've learned one thing here, Stephen, is that JJ's, JJ's wife, eh, she might have been holding us back these last few years. I mean, just mm. she gets dealt, and all of a sudden they're in the playoffs and winning a champion. What happened? Well, yeah, what happened? Because I, I remember last year, it was last season, I think, that she had asked to be traded. And uh, they acknowledged it. Of course, they did it. And, yep, they come back. I mean, how many times do we see that? It's like, yeah, maybe she should have stayed put and uh, she might have been a champion. But, hey, that's just the way things go. And uh, there are probably some other Houston professional teams that could take some lessons of, you know, you have the first chance to win a championship, just go out and do it. And, uh, boy, did they dominate. I mean, three straight shutouts. I don't care what sport you're talking about or what level that's that's quite an accomplishment and you know congratulations to the dash and if there's anything that we need as far as good news we'll we'll take what we can get so houston has a champion can we zoom a victory parade hey why not we're zooming everything else you, you know everything else is virtual let's see what we can <laughs> let, let's see how creative we can be with a, a zoom houston dash parade all right why not I'm going to keep going with some some birthdays because I've been having some some fun with some birthdays as you know, we're trying to get some more sports to talk about. But there's some cool birthdays. Uh, one of the great characters in Astros history turns 75 years old. And I'm going to give you a couple of hints, Stephen. Let's see if you can figure this out. 
He played for the Astros from 67 to 75, hit 250 with a 720 OPS, five gold gloves in an Astros uniform. Cesar Cedeno, by the way, the only other Astro with five gold gloves. Who am I talking about? Hmm, now you got me on that one. He batted 250, you said, lifetime? Not lifetime, just with the Astros. I just put, get, got his Astros numbers. He played a couple of years after he left. Okay, um, I, I'll guess Art Howe. No, it's this, this pre-Art time, 67 oh, to 75. 67 to 70. Yeah, you're right. It's it's okay. It's the rooster, Doug Rader. Doug Rader. Well, that would have been my second guess. I was going to guess Doug Rader. I should have probably gone with my first instinct, but Doug Rader would have been my other guess. Yeah, it's interesting because you might have forgotten this. He was also the Florida Marlins' very first hitting coach when they were an expansion franchise. I did forget that. Yeah, he was also famous for uh, telling little leaguers to eat their bubblegum cards so they might better digest the information contained on them. <laughs> He dropped water balloons on his teammates from hotel window. This guy was a all-time great personality. One of my favorite stories, Stephen, was when he was with the Angels in 1976. You know, manager John McNamara, he calls a team meeting on the practice diamond. But McNamara, he's all working in conjunction with Raider on a, on a little stunt. And at the meeting, McNamara says, look, guys, we're all on a tight schedule this morning. And then he places his watch that he borrowed from Coach Doug Williams on the ground in front of him. Then he said, but there are some things I want to say. And that's when Doug Rader jumps to his feet shouting, Mac, your time's up. And then as coach Williams watches in horror, Rader grabs a bat and smashes Don Williams watch to smithereens. And then my favorite part of the story, Steven is, you know, McNamara tries this several years later when he's with the angels, this time with Reggie Jackson in the Doug Rader role, but Reggie, swung and missed the watch and rod carew says uh hey skip next time you got to pick a contact hitter <laughs> <laughs> you know those those are the things that i just love about baseball i mean there are stories you could tell about you know football and basketball but there's just nothing like a good baseball story robert and that is or a classic baseball story that that is a classic baseball story and it doesn't surprise me because yeah doug Rader was quite a character you know, he was a good player. He made, you know, he wasn't a Hall of Famer, maybe, but five gold gloves and, you know, a decent batting average. I mean, he was a good player and certainly one of the great personalities that uh, the Astros ever had. Do you got anything else sports wise? I've got one more story before we go, but anything games, uh, Houston, non Houston related? No, not really. Just that, you know, like I said earlier, I'm just so glad to, to actually be able to watch baseball because. If there's one sport that I'm crazy about, it's baseball. And I don't care what level it is, I'll watch it. But all, all I can say is that I just hope that, you know, we can kind of get through this this crazy time and, and actually have a full season of Major League Baseball, 60-game style, NBA, you know, eight games in the playoffs, NFL, some kind of a season. We just hope that we can get through this. That's the only thing. I'm just trying to remain as optimist, optimistic as possible about sports being back and staying back. It was a mood changer this weekend. I mean, I felt better watching the Astros, Rockets, even the Dash game. I was just, you had stuff to, to watch and kind of keep your mind occupied from all the other garbage going on. Exactly. Well, I'm out of material mostly for this one, but before I go, Stephen, just want to mention my favorite thing to watch before I go to sleep these days. I, I recently got Hulu, found out one of my all-time favorite shows was on there, The Wonder Years. Were you a fan of The Wonder Years at all? I did watch it every now and then when it was on, yes. That that was a very good show. It was 
I, I always enjoyed just, uh, you know, how they went about it, put it together. Yeah, I, I did watch some of those episodes. And there's a couple of sports angles, and that, that's why I wanted to bring it up. First of all, you know, Kevin Arnold, he's always wearing the New York Jets jacket, which right. ended up in the Smithsonian. That's kind of cool. Uh, the other thing that I got a kick out of is there's an episode in season three called Odd Man Out. And, and that's this is one where Kevin Arnold and Paul Pfeiffer, you know, their friendship, they've, they've got a bump in the road. They, there's a fight. And the fight is over a McCovey trade. Have I got you intrigued yet, Stephen? Ah, McCovey trade. Okay. So apparently for years, Kevin was trying to trade Paul uh, the Willie McCovey. Well, he was trying to get Paul to trade him this Willie McCovey baseball card. And the final straw happens when Kevin offers him a Juan Marichal and Louis Tiant for McCovey. But Paul says, no, McCovey's off the table unless you're willing to think about your Ted Williams. And then, Ooh. boom, the fight is on at that point. Did you, you ever have one of these fights when you were a kid, a baseball card fight? Uh, not over baseball cards. My, things much less important than baseball cards, unfortunately. But, no, I, I can't remember fighting with anybody over baseball cards. <laughs> Certainly not like that. And, come on, Marischal and Tiat for McCovey, I think that's a pretty fair trade, right? I mean, come on, Ted Williams. Come on, Paul Pfeiffer. They say that pitching wins World Series, right? Come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was – if if you've never watched the show, it's it's really fun. And, I mean, I just it, – I, I, it's one of my all-time favorite shows. I mean, I love 60s music, and they use the music so well. And the, the great thing is, you know, Hulu was able to get the rights to pretty much everything except the Joe Cocker song at the beginning, and that's a whole other story. And I, I don't know why Joe Cocker or the family wouldn't want – that song to be on there as much as possible. I can't imagine it's, it's, you know, crushing right now, making all this digital. Actually, I think it would help with digital downloads. You would think, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. It just, it, it, it's, it seems like they, they picked a fight a little bit uh, with the, the wonder years, uh, the people in charge, the studios or whatever. And I, I know the studios, it seems like they would have all the money in the world, but I just, I, it was kind of crazy to me that they couldn't get the, the Joe Cocker. And that, that Joe Cocker song, with a little help from my friends, the, the great cover of the Beatles tune, it's a, it's a classic. It is a classic. Yeah, I, I, I'll be honest, I like both versions. So uh, that's all we've got for this one. Um, before we close it out, let's get your feedback, suggestions, questions, or topics. You know, you know how to do it. Twitter, Facebook, email info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Also, you know, help us out. Share our uh, links with your fellow followers your facebook followers your twitter followers wherever you are on social media you know the link how to find us uh, put it out there share it with your friends It'd help us a ton um, and as always we say stay healthy and safe everybody you're listening to houston sports talk don't forget to follow houston sports talk on facebook and twitter subscribe to us on itunes spotify the google podcast app or the stitcher app you can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.